You're listening to the Mimi B Podcast, a lifestyle podcast that is designed to help you transform your life and become the best version of yourself possible. On this podcast, we talk about health, personal growth, career, and pretty much everything else it takes to become the best you there is. I'm your host, Mimi Bouchard. I own the online magazine, Mimi B, and I create courses on how you can upgrade your life to the next level. Every single one of us has the ability to produce extraordinary results in our lives, and this podcast is going to help you get there. I am so pumped to have you on, and yeah, I I just want to hear everything. I want to pick your brain completely. I guess for the listeners right now, started recording. So John Asaraf is an incredibly successful entrepreneur. He has built five multi-million dollar companies. He's a best-selling author. He's a behavior and mindset expert. He is the founder of Neurogym and he's a star in the movie, The Secret, the Law of Attraction movie. So welcome, John. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Honestly, I'm, I'm so excited to have you on. Thanks so much. It's so great to be on and this is going to be a lot of fun. This is going to be so much fun. So for everybody who does not know you, should we kind of just dive in and, and, you know, if you could go over the background of your upbringing and how you discovered your passion for, you know, manifesting law of attraction, brain science and all of that good stuff. Sure. Um, went to school in Montreal, Canada after I moved there from Israel. Um, did not have an easy time in school. And it was probably because I didn't speak the English language, and there were about 60 kids in the class in grade one and two and three. And so I fell far behind the other kids and was challenged in school most of my life. And I, it caused me to believe that I wasn't smart. Uh, and so I just felt le- less than the other kids. And um, so that caused some behavioral issues for me, always in the principal's office. And I got involved with a group of kids who started stealing and doing some illegal things. And that was really, you know, between the age of, you know, nine and 16, 17, it was just a constant struggle um, because of, you know, skipping school and going out with a bunch of kids who were just adept at getting in trouble. And that affected my self-esteem quite a bit. And my parents were loving and caring and kind and extremely ignorant, meaning uh, they both Uh, didn't go to school, basically. My father went to grade five, my mother went to grade three. And in the era that they were born in, they had to go to work to make, uh, you know, money to feed uh, their, um, you know, their siblings with their siblings, basically. And so long story short, uh, my brother had arranged for uh, a lunch with a man that he was teaching tennis to. And I was living in Montreal, Canada at the time. And my brother said, hey, get on the train, come down for the weekend and see me. And I'll introduce you to this really uh, successful man that might be able to help you. And so I said, sure. So I got on the train, uh, took the train you know, five hours to Toronto, which I know is uh, where you're from. And I had a lunch with this gentleman. His name was Alan Brown. And during lunch, he asked me, you know, why did I think I was getting into trouble? Why did I think I was, you know, not smart enough? Why did I think, you know, that I couldn't achieve more success legally and ethically? 
And when I gave him all my answers, he says, do you realize, I mean, those are just stories and excuses that you're giving yourself and you've gotten used to this identity of being not smart. You've gotten used to this identity of not being able to do things in an ethical, professional way. He says, there's ways that you can overcome that. And before I show you how to do that, he asked me, you know, what were my goals? And to be honest, Mimi, the, you know, at, at 19 years old, which is when this was, and this was in April of 1980, just to put into perspective, a lot of people listening weren't even born then. Um, you know, um, he said to me, what are your goals? And I said, well, I'd love to buy a car. I'd love to get my own apartment. I want to make enough money to, you know, go out on the weekend and have fun. And he says, great, but what are your bigger goals than that? And I said, I don't have any. I mean, like, you know, the only, the only thing I can think of was, you know, um, you know, jets, yachts, planes, travel, you know, stuff that I saw on TV, on, on, the, on the shows on TV. And he gave me this document, and I thought it was stupid at the time, but he gave me this document that was a, a goal-setting guide. And it basically says, okay, what age do you want to retire at? Um, how much net worth do you want to have? How much income do you want to make? How much do you want to give to charities? Who do you want to help? Where do you want to travel? And I reluctantly spent about an hour just writing things out, uh, things that were more in my imagination than real goals that I had. And when I gave him the document, he asked me a question. And interestingly enough, the, the question and the answer changed my life. And I'll share it with everybody in just a moment. He said to me, he says, well, you know, you want to retire at age 45 with $3 million net worth. I said, yep. He says, you want to drive a Mercedes? I said, yep. He says, you want to travel the world first class? I said, yep. And he says, great, well, I can help you with that, but, but answer this question. And I said, sure, Mr. Brown. I said, what is it? He said, are you interested in achieving these things or are you committed to achieving them? And... I, I didn't, I did, yeah, I didn't even know, like, what? Interested or committed? I said, what's the difference? And he said to me, he says, he said, young man, he said, if you're interested, you'll do what's easy and what's convenient. He says, if you're interested, you'll keep using your stories and excuses and your reasons that your parents didn't have an education and you didn't understand the English language and that you didn't do well in school and blah, 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 blah. He said, if you're interested, You'll just keep doing the same shit over and over and over again, and you'll keep reinforcing all of the disempowering beliefs and perspectives and ideas that you have. He said, if you're committed to achieving those goals, however, you will upgrade your beliefs about yourself and what's possible. You will upgrade your habits. You will upgrade your knowledge and your skills, and you will become the type of man who can achieve those goals no matter what. I said, oh wow, that's a, yeah, that's a different, different paradigm. And I remember the, the hair on my back of my neck like raised up a bit. And I just remember feeling, God, that's so true. And I said to him, but I don't know how to achieve all that stuff. He says, you don't have to know when you make the decision first, then you find out. And I said, well, great. Well, then I'm committed. And he said, good. And he reached out his hand. And he says, in that case, I will become your mentor. Now, nobody had ever been my mentor. Nobody ever offered. I'd never asked for it. I didn't know about mentorship or coaching or anything like that. And just to put into perspective, this man at the time in 1980 was 
uh, his estimated worth, I was told, was about $150 million. He had his own, you know, uh, fleet of cars, his own real estate empire, traveled private back then, uh, had a wonderful wife, wonderful kids, uh, was a philanthropist. And by all exterior views, he had it all. And here he was willing to mentor me. And I said, wow, that's great. I shook his hand. He says, great. Now I need you to move from Montreal to Toronto. I said, what do you mean? I, I don't have an apartment. I don't have a car. I don't have any money. He says, well, are you interested or are you committed? And I said, well, I'm committed, but, I, but I, he says, there are no buts when you're committed. I said, okay, well, I'll move to Toronto. And in the back of my head, I said, I have no fucking idea how I'm going to move to Toronto. I can't even afford you know, to, to, to pack, forget about moving to an apartment that I didn't have. And he says, great. And then I want you to enroll in the real estate course. I said, well, how much is it? He says, well, it's about $500. I said, well, I don't have $500 and move to Toronto. He says, are you interested or are you committed? And he kept putting this back in my face over and over and over again. And I finally said, fine, I'll, I'll figure it out. He says, perfect. That's the beginning. So I went home to Montreal, told my parents I'm moving. I had about, I don't know, 100 bucks in my account. My dad said he would lend me the rest. Um, and with about $500 that I needed to enroll for the course, I enrolled in the course. My brother said I could move with him. And on May the 5th, 1980, after I'd moved to Toronto about a week before, I enrolled in the real estate course, nine to five, every day for five weeks. And Mimi, I remember these dates like it was yesterday because these dates represented something in my life. Number one was the commitment. But then number two, on June 20th, 1980, I got my real estate certificate that I was a licensed real estate agent. And I remember having tears in my eyes because I passed the test without cheating. Because up until that time in high school, up until grade 11, I cheated as much as possible to get the answers on the test without doing the work. I remember feeling proud for one of the first times in my young life. And then he started to teach me every day, an hour a day, he had me upgrade my knowledge and my skills. And it was hard. It was, I mean, beyond hard. Um, but slowly but surely, I started to learn uh, a career, a business, a, a you know, a, a skill that I didn't have. And I made $30,000 over the next 12 months as a 19-year-old as a real estate agent on a 50-50 commission split working for his company. But he had me working one hour a day to upgrade my knowledge and skills. And he told me, he said, at the end of 12 months, that's nine 40-hour weeks of upgrading your skills. Nine 40-hour weeks. That's over two months of upgrading your skills in one year. He says, you do that every year for the next five years, 10 years, you will be earning whatever you want and every one of your goals and dreams will become a reality. And the second year, I earned $151,000 when I was 20. And then I started to invest in real estate. And then I went and traveled around the world for 14 months when I was 22 from September of 82 to November of 83. I went and saw the world. And then when I came back, I got back into real estate again and started you know, my real estate career. And that was the beginning. Wow. How incredible. So what kind of work was he making you do every day? Like what kind of things would you write down? So a couple things. Number one, he had me. So there's three things that I learned that I still teach today. One is every day you work on your mindset, every day you work on your skill set, and every day you work on your action set. 
So the mindset piece. Every day, I would review my goals that I had written out and I had tweaked and modified at this point. And I would see my goals for health, for wealth, for relationship, for career, for business, for finances, for charity, for fun, for experiences. I would read those goals and I would run my fingers across the goal documents that I had that were printed. Because he said, every time you read it, you're seeing it. Every time you speak it, you hear it. Every time you run your fingers across it, you're sending the electrical signal from your fingers to your brain. And then when you close your eyes and you visualize it, when you feel yourself actually being, living, having, giving, everything that's on those documents, you reinforce the mental and emotional patterns in your brain. And when you do that, you're actually not only training your conscious brain what it is that you want and reinforcing it, but you're now training your subconscious mind, which is where the power center is. So I started to do that every single day. And then on the skill set side, he had me at the time listening to cassettes, which would be the equivalent of, you know, podcasts or DVDs now, to upgrade my knowledge and skill in sales, in marketing, in client services, in managing my time, anything that was personal development to help me become better and, and more skilled. So that was an hour a day I had to watch. Actually, at that time, we didn't watch stuff. We listened to stuff and read stuff. So it was either a book. It was either a cassette tape that I would listen to every single day. And then I added more time when I was driving. I would just put cassettes in my car, and that's all I would listen to to upgrade my knowledge and skills. And then for every goal that I had, he said, okay, how are you going to achieve it? So let's say, you know, I wanted to make uh, $10,000 in a month. He would say, okay, great. What exactly are you going to do to make that $10,000? So I'd say, okay, well, I have to sell, you know, three homes this month. He says, great. How are you going to sell three homes? How many buyers do you need? How many listings do you need? And then I'd come up with a number. And he says, great. Now, how are you going to get those buyers? How are you going to get those listings? So I had to come up with the tactical behavior of here's how many people I have to call. Here's how many people I have to get on the phone. Here's how many people I have to speak to. Here's how many people I have to meet every day, every week, every month. And what he taught me was that money is obviously math. Business is all math. And you could reduce or deduce to the tactical behavior, exactly what you need to do every single day in order to achieve a goal. And so I got really good at understanding you know, how to create a big vision, how to create goals to achieve that vision, but then how to create the plans to achieve every goal. And everything that I'm talking about right now, you can use to lose weight and keep it off, to have a great relationship, to build a business, to make more money. Every single vision and goal has to have the thoughts, the emotions, and the behaviors to achieve that goal. And in today's day and age, we're pretty fortunate in in as much as all of the how-to is readily available. The key is to get you to actually do it. And this is where the work that I do today really is critical because Even when people have the knowledge and the skills and the plans, the blueprints, there are 
three other reasons why people will not take action. And that's why I've started my company, NeuroGym, is all around, you know, the inner game stuff that holds people back. So what are those three things? Number one is self-image, self-esteem, and self-worth. Those are all interrelated. So let's say you have a goal to be in a really happy relationship, loving, you know, wildly successful relationship. But if there's any doubt that you deserve it, that you could and should have it, you will sabotage having it if you do get it. And in most cases, you'll only believe that it's possible for other people and not for you, even though you have the goal of having that. So self-image, when people's self-image doesn't match up with the vision or the goal that they have, and their self-image is basically hidden. Our self-image is hidden in our subconscious mind. It's the collective idea about who we are and what we deserve based on the environment that we grew up in and based on our experiences. And so if our self-image at the conscious level, here's what I want, doesn't match with the self-image we really have about ourselves at the subconscious level, then we're creating an environment called neural dissonance or chaos in our own brain. And that means that even if we meet the guy or the gal, you know, that could potentially, you know, um, uh, be in that amazing relationship with us, we'll sabotage it before it even begins or right after it begins. So self-image is critical for us to work on every single day. Have you read Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz? <laughs> many, many, many years ago, yes. Oh my gosh, because I I read it last year and it it changed my life and it it just exposed me to the whole self-image psychology and and it's just absolutely insane. Like in the book, you know, I don't know if you remember, but he talks about how, um, you know, he, he, because he was a plastic surgeon, right? Like he would change someone's face, like he'll give a nose job or something and the person would still see themselves as this, this old, you know, vision, right? So it's just crazy how powerful the mind is. Yeah. There's uh, there's a saying in the world that I live in with this neuroscience and neuropsychology is you will never outperform your hidden self-image. Wow. So the hidden self-image is the subconscious self-image. So you'll never outperform uh, the amount of income you earn, the business that you earn, the lifestyle you have, the partner that you have. You'll never outperform it over a longer period of time. You could outperform it temporarily. So a perfect example is lottery winners. Most people don't uh, don't know this, but 86% of all lottery winners who win millions of dollars lose the money within three years. 86%. And the reason is because their outside world of money and cars and homes and all that stuff doesn't match their internal self-image. So they get rid of the outside world until there's 100% match. The same thing is true when you put people who are homeless in a nice home or apartment. They will sabotage either the internal environment or they will leave because they don't feel comfortable in it. And so self-image is critical and, and the question, you know, that I was um, asked and then taught how to do is, well, then how do you upgrade your self-image? 
And this is really the whole body of work with my new book, Inner Size, is how do you use the stuff that we're learning about the brain and how do you recreate, rescript, reshape the subconscious mind so it matches the vision and goals that you have. And so back in the early 1980s, when I would, you know, read my goals, the conscious goals that I chose, the stuff that I said, I want this, not that, I would use creative visualization every single day. I would use affirmations. I'm so happy and grateful for the fact that I now have the knowledge, the intelligence, the skills to achieve this goal, and I deserve it. No matter how hard it gets, I'm able to understand how to resolve the problem and I'm becoming every, anyway, I'm reciting old affirmations. So I used words, repeated words. I recorded those words onto, you know, cassette tapes, which now I record onto my iPhone. Um, I, I started to visualize seeing myself achieving those goals and making that vision so real that it started to override my existing reality. And today, you know, um, we know that affirmations work. We know that subliminals work. We know that visualizations work. We know that mental contrasting works. We know that there's scientific evidence to show that when we do these things, these inner sizes, as I call them, we are actually activating something called the neuroplasticity switch. It's our brain's ability to create new connections. And People may be asking, why do I need to create new connections? Well, every belief that you have is nothing more than a network of connections in your brain. Your self-image is nothing more than a network of connections in your brain. Your habits are nothing more than a network connections of cells in your brain. Everything in our brain is based on neural networks and connections. And some are constructive. Some are destructive. Some empower us, some disempowering us, some disempower us. And so when you start to take a look at your brain as an organism that you could start to control more instead of allowing it to control you, now you're empowered. Now you can stop being a victim of your parents, your traumas, your school, your brother, your sister, your friends, your experiences. And now you can deliberately start to chart the course for an incredible life in health, wealth, relations, career, business, fun experiences. And you could be the captain of your own ship with way more control when you upgrade your knowledge and skills on how to use the most powerful tool in the known universe, and that's your brain. And so I was fortunate that I had somebody you know, back in 1980 who was a student of the mind and a student of success as my first mentor. Wow, you you are so lucky. It's true. And, you know, not many people get that opportunity. But in this day and age, we kind of get that we get more because we have everyone online, all the mentors online, like I read your book and got extremely inspired. I listen to podcasts every day and get extremely inspired. You know, like we have so much at our fingertips. And just because we don't have, you know, a bajillionaire mentor um, at our side pushing us to do things, we still have everything online. So nobody has an excuse. And I love what you say. I agree. Affirmations and visualization and all of that that good stuff, because that's what I've done to transform my life. And I've gone through a huge transformation the past few years. And, you know, people really, a lot of people don't see it as, as 
incredibly important and big when you think about it. It's like affirmations. Oh, like that doesn't seem that powerful as some people might say, but it is the most revolutionary thing. Like really in the morning, sometimes if I'm not like this morning, I kind of woke up feeling a little bit of self-doubt to be honest. And I'm usually really confident, but this morning I wasn't feeling great about myself. And I wrote down a list of really powerful affirmations that really trigger something inside of me. And I posted it on my mirror in my bathroom. So like throughout the day today, I went every time I go to the bathroom, I look in the mirror and I like say these affirmations out loud and it's literally <laughs> changed my day today. And, you know, it's absolutely powerful. It's so powerful. It's interesting you say that because I teach something called brush and prime. And so in my bathroom, I have my life's purpose and my goals for the year. And as I brush my teeth, I prime my brain. So I read my purpose that inspires me. I read my goals that motivate me. And I do that while I brush my teeth in the morning, at night, and any other time in the bathroom. And so it's called brush and prime. And, and so one of the things that I discovered a long time ago that I still do every day is learning how to focus your attention on what it is that you really want to achieve. What are the beliefs that you need to have in order to acquire them? And uh, a little bit earlier, you asked me, you know, what are the three things? And one of them was self-esteem, but the other one is your beliefs. And so when you have a set of empowering beliefs, beliefs are the lens by which you see the world, but they also are the reason you behave and so when we have empowering beliefs, then we behave in constructive, empowering ways. But when we have limiting beliefs, uh, like I'm too young, I'm too old, I'm too Asian or Caucasian, you know, I live in a small town and I can't really achieve the success we have, or, you know, I don't have a mentor, I don't have, you know, a coach. Um, those limiting beliefs affect the motor cortex of the brain. They affect the motivational centers of the brain. They affect a variety of different centers in your brain that either drive you to move forward or stop you dead in your tracks. The one thing I want to mention, Mimi, that, that I want people to understand, yes, I had a mentor um, back in 1980, but the amount of information that's available for free today dwarfs anything he ever taught me. The amount of free stuff that I give away, whether it's on my YouTube channel or any one of my social media channels, dwarfs anything that he ever gave me. And there are so many podcasts, so many videos, so many articles, so many PDFs, so many white papers, so many research documents that anybody with an access to the internet can get in less than three minutes. And so nobody who's listening right now has an excuse. Yeah. And even the people that don't have the internet can go to the library. You know what I mean? That's right. Like there's always yeah. a way. Well, that's, there's always a way. That's right. Regardless of your resources, you have to become resourceful. And today's the best day alive, you know, in the history of our species where 107 billion people have walked the earth to be able to have access to the resources needed. Yeah. So I want to talk about this story that I read in your book, The Answer. I just want you to tell it to the listeners quickly because it was so 
inspiring for me. It was the vision board story where you had it in, you know, the one I'm talking about in the box, you had it Mm -hmm. when you were unpacking, you found it. Do you want to kind of tell the listeners about that story? Because it was so incredible. The the story that you're referring to is around my vision board story. And uh, my vision board stemmed from a, a course that I went to back again, 1995. And um, uh, they basically taught me that uh, in order to make your goals that you've written down even more real, um, why not create some pictures uh, or cut out pictures from a magazine that represent what you want to achieve? So if you want to travel the world, why not put up some pictures of the places you want to go to? If there's a certain you know, car you want, why not cut a picture of it? And as you're reading your goals or looking at your goals, why not also look at the image? Now, at the time, I didn't know this. Uh, But today I do is when you look at an image, you're activating one of the most powerful centers in your brain called the occipital lobe. And that activates a variety of other neural networks that drive uh, motivation and behavior. But simply put, back in 1995, I cut out pictures um, for each one of my goals and I had these vision boards uh, created. Um, I just sat there and and just took pictures and, and stuck them up on a board and every day when I would read my goals, I would also see the images of the goals. And so I would do that. And I did that for about um, two years. Now, in 1997, I moved from Indianapolis uh, to Vancouver, Vancouver to LA, LA to San Diego. And that was over a period of five years. And the reason I'm sharing this story is because for those five years, all of my vision boards were in storage with United Van Lines. And I just had rented uh, apartments because I was moving for work for different uh, reasons. And so uh, when I moved to San Diego five years later, I bought a home, renovated it, and then United Van Lines brought uh, the containers with all of my furniture and boxes that were stored for five years. And one morning um, in early 2000, uh, I was unpacking some of the bo- Actually, I was sitting in my office, excuse me. My son, Keenan, came. He was uh, about five and a half, six years old at the time. He uh, came and sat on one of the boxes in my office. And he says, Daddy, what's in the boxes? I said, sweetheart, they're my vision boards. And he said, well, what, what's a vision board? He says, well, you know, when I, when I want to achieve something, I cut a picture out of a magazine and I put it up on the board. And, and then I, I work to go and get it. And he said, well, can I see what's in the boxes? Because he really didn't understand. So I said, sure. So I pulled out the, bo- I opened up the boxes. Again, they were, they were still, they still had all the tape on them and all the, uh, they were still closed. And um, I cut open the box and I pulled out the first vision board and it had a little Mercedes on there and some clothes, Italian clothes that I wanted, et cetera. And I started to explain to him. And then when I pulled out the second board, for a second there, I was, I was holding it in my hands and I was looking at the middle of the board and I was like, what? And the reason I was shocked was because right in the middle of the board was a picture of a home that I cut out of Dream Homes magazine five years earlier. And I was shocked because we were standing in that house. I had bought the house that I had cut out of a magazine five years earlier. And I didn't even know that I had bought my dream home. I didn't know where it was when I cut it. I didn't know how much it was when I cut it out of a magazine. And somehow, some way, I ended up in a house in 
a small little town called Rancho Santa Fe, California, with 1,500 homes um, on five acres with 320 orange trees, 188 windows, and it was a dream home. And at that moment, I was like, oh, my God. This is how we are manifesting. This is how we, you know, we're able to achieve our goals is you, you get something so ingrained in your brain, you resonate with it and you bust your ass working and, and earning what you need to earn. And then one day, either you buy the dream home that you've pre-cut out or you buy the dream home that you've been envisioning in your mind. And so at that moment, you know, I started to have tears coming down my face. And, and my son said, Daddy, why are you crying? I said, sweetheart, I finally understand how this law of manifestation or resonance or attraction works. And of course, he didn't know what that meant. But for me, it was an epiphany, obviously, of biblical proportions, because this has been, you know, my training for, you know, for, you know, many, many, many years, almost 20 years. Uh, so that's the uh, vision board story. It's yeah. crazy. Oh my God, John, that gave me goosebumps when I first read it. So I just <laughs> needed you to tell the listeners. Well, so many people don't, don't believe in the power, but it, it's just, it's so powerful. And you just don't even, it's it's like you said, you didn't even, you were shocked to see it. It's, it's not this thing that, that you just see instantly. It's, it's just, it happens over time and then it shocks you, right? It doesn't so shock me anymore. That's incredible. <laughs> It doesn't. So do you think, do you truly think you can manifest everything and anything you no. want? Um, no, I don't. Uh, I, I also don't, I don't believe in the law of manifestation the, mo the way most people do. A lot of times people talk about, you know, manifestation uh, as it's some kind of mystical thing that happens, you know, as a, as like magic. Now, I still don't know how it was possible for me to you know, cut out a picture from Dream Homes magazine, end up living in it five years later, you know, the house that I didn't even know where it was or how much it was. That's still a mystery to me, except for, you know, I was in total resonance with it. Um, and so that, you know, that answers part of it. So can people, you know, so I'll give you an example. If somebody doesn't have the knowledge or the skills or the ability to become a professional athlete or musician, um, uh, you know, then no, they're not going to manifest that. Um, you, you, there, there has to be this alignment between your mindset, your skill set, your action set, and what it is that you manifest or achieve. So can somebody manifest, you know, uh, you know, $5 million or $10 million? Well, the first part might be to work really hard for it. Second part might be buy some lottery tickets. But the chances of you know, you inheriting $5 million or it landing on your lap are extremely rare. It's happened, it happens, but it's rare. So I wouldn't use it as a core strategy. Um, but can you manifest the love of your life? Yes. Can you, you know, manifest, grow a business that you love? Yes. Um, I think we need to understand that there are physical laws and things that we need to do on the physical level. There are things we need to do at the emotional level, and there's things that we need to do, you know, on the spiritual level as well, and the and the mindset level. Like the law of Goya. The law of Goya. A lot of people, you know, in the movie The Secret, you know, talked about the law of attraction, of course. And the last six letters of the word attraction is action, and I refer to it as the law of Goya, which is the get off your ass law. 
So when you get off your ass and you do the right things in the right order at the right time, then you have a much higher likelihood of creating, manifest, being lucky, you know, uh, for things to fall into place. Yeah, it's it's incredible. It's so true. You know, I, I completely agree. I'm 100% behind the law of attraction and manifestation, but you need to put the work in. You got to move, right? You can't just that's sit right. there and visualize it. You got to put the work in and you have to, you know, the biggest thing that's helped me with manifesting my life, which is, you know, I've never been happier in my entire life. I'm, I've completely revolutionized every area of my life. And the biggest thing for me, how I did that was literally just acting as if and acting as if I think is the most powerful way of, of attracting everything into your life because A, you are literally like conditioning yourself to be this type of person that gets all these different things. And, you know, also like it's, it becomes who you are, right? So the person, if you're acting as the kind of person who has a lot of money, who has an amazing relationship, who has great, you know, finances, all that stuff, then you naturally do the things that that person would do. So you're bringing it to you, right? So that's the biggest thing that, that has helped me personally. And, you know, it's, it's amazing going back to what you were saying earlier. I realized that we forgot to go to point three. We were talking about self-esteem being one of the main ones, um, to change your life and belief system. Another one of the main ones. What was that third one? I'm actually really curious. Cause I'm uh, trying to <laughs> so the third one is fear. And based on all the latest research, there are 50 different types of conscious or subconscious fears that hold people back, that stop them dead in their tracks. Let me give you an example. Let's say you want to become an influencer like you already are. And somebody says, well, I want to become an influencer. I want to, I want to influence you know, people between this age group and that age group, whatever the case might be. But what if nagging in the back of your mind or in the recesses of your mind you have a fear of failing. So you have this vision and goal of succeeding, but you have a fear of failure. What if from a strictly neurological perspective, your fear of succeeding is you having your foot on the gas, but your fear of failure is you having your foot on the brake? How far do you think you're going to get? Not very mm -hmm. far. There's going to be a lot of noise. Yeah. What if you have this goal and this vision of, again, becoming an influencer and living the lifestyle of an influencer, maybe the money of an influencer, but you have a fear of being rejected, ashamed, ridiculed, or judged, or disappointing yourself? Well, again, from a purely what's happening in our brain, unless you understand that first and foremost, fear is one of your most sensitive, amazing signal detectors in your brain that's there to protect you. If you don't understand how to feel fear and do it anyway, you will never become an influencer. You will never build a business. You will never become all that you can become. So the third obstacle, in addition, there's four, the knowledge and skills we talked about, self-esteem we talked about, beliefs we talked about, but emotional control and fear specifically is the silent killer. And emotions are all conditioning in the subconscious mind. Emotions are triggered automatically in the subconscious mind whenever we deem anything that we want to do or are doing as, 
as dangerous or can hurt us, cause us emotional, physical, mental, or financial pain. And so unless we understand that emotions are triggered in the subconscious mind, they actually cause us to feel a certain way, and most people move away from feelings that they don't like. They move away from feelings that causes anxiety or stress. They either take pills or drink alcohol or just move back into their comfort zone to get rid of that feeling that is just a signal like a light popping up on the dash of your car. And so in the absence of skill to understand emotions and feelings and what to do about them, people will always revert back to safety and back to what is comfortable and safe. And so when you understand how to recognize emotions and feelings, how to reframe them in your brain so they don't disempower you, how to release those uh, uh, feelings that aren't comfortable and how to retrain your brain so that you're not feeling fearful, um, you will never reach your potential. And this is a skill. And again, you know, this is, you know, 30, 40 years of, uh, of learning for me. And, and again, this is why, you know, when I wrote Inner Size, there was a gentleman back in the 50s and 60s by the name of Jack LaLanne, and he really created the exercise revolution for your muscles to strengthen your muscles and your internal organs. And I wrote Inner Size to help people strengthen their core neuro muscles. And that is the game changer right there. When you have more mental and emotional control, when you have more um, uh, emotional resiliency, when you strengthen your core mindset neuro muscles, that's when you become unstoppable. And all of that is a skill because every human brain is the same. Now, of course, there's anomalies, there's diseases, yes. But for 99.9% of the people, they can control their brains better instead of allowing their brains to control them. So what are the top tips on getting control of your brain and your thoughts and your patterns that you've pretty much been used to your entire life? Like, do you have maybe your top two or three tips on controlling your brain? Sure. So number one um, has to do with mindfulness and meditation happens to be a practice that you can use uh, around mindfulness. So mindfulness is simply the art of becoming aware, becoming aware of your thoughts and understanding that you have 50,000 thoughts a day, but you are not your thoughts. Your thoughts are totally different from your thinking, right? Thinking takes a little bit more effort. Thoughts are random and they just percolate up from your memory bank. So being aware of the thoughts and not giving them much, uh, much power, uh, choosing the ones you want to keep and just releasing the ones you want to let go of, knowing that, hey, for whatever reason, it's like, almost like a bingo ball in a bingo machine that pops up different numbers. Thoughts just pop up. And thoughts pop up based on internal and external cues. So number one, you're not your thoughts and you're not your emotions. You have thoughts, you have emotions. So awareness of your thoughts, emotions, feelings, sensations, behaviors, and results without judgment, blame, shame, guilt, or justification, just pure awareness. And it's in this awareness that now you can actually use one of the greatest gifts you have as a human being, and that is now 
you have choice. Do I want to entertain that thought? Do I want to give credence to this emotion? Do I want to continue this behavior? Do I want to do something different? And when we do this in a calm, relaxed state, instead of a stressed, reactive state, now we're in control. And now in control, we can start to make decisions. To cut off from any other option is what the word decision means. And so when we're in a state of awareness, now we have more mental and emotional control. When we have more mental and emotional control, now we can direct this thing called our body to do what we want it to do versus what it wants to do, which is remain in its comfort zone, conserve energy, and keep you safe in that comfort zone. So awareness gives you choice. Choice is what gives you freedom. And now if you have the knowledge and the skill of what you should be doing to achieve the goal that you want to achieve, now you can move towards that this day, this week, this month, this quarter, and you can methodically, in an organized fashion, start to achieve every one of your goals. Yeah, it's it's really incredible. I cannot wait to read the book. Like I told you earlier, I got it on Amazon and everybody listening, read it with me. I really, really am so excited. I love learning about this kind of stuff and it's it's so powerful. You could literally you know, use these tools in every single area of your life. And this stuff really, really works. Um, I have a few more Thank questions you. for you, John. Great. And just so you know, I've got about five minutes left. I've got another call I've got to be on in 10. <laughs> no worries. That's totally fine. Okay. So talk me through, because you have been so successful as an entrepreneur. Talk me through really quickly the top, you know, few things that people need to embody to have a millionaire's mindset. Uh, everything that... I teach my students is we're going to start off with a vision of what does it look like upon completion, right? So when you start off with a vision, you're giving your brain the instruction of this is what completion looks like. So you invest some time on getting absolute clarity. Then the next step is, okay, what are two or three goals that move you in that direction? Not 10 goals, two or three only. And then the question you have to ask yourself is, what do I need to believe about myself in order to make this a reality? What do I need to believe about myself to make this a reality? You write that down and then you take that belief and every single day you read it, you rewrite it if you have to, you listen to it, you feel it, and then you behave that way. And then I always say, okay, what knowledge do I need to gain in order to make this vision, this goal, a reality uh, based on my skill sets. Now, I emphasize based on my skill sets. In business or in, 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 in sports or in music, nobody can play all the positions. You can't play every position on a sports team. You can't play every musical instrument. You can't play every role in a business. You, you just can't do it. And so you have to ask yourself, what is natural and easy for me? And how do I make that Stronger, and then how do I manage the rest? How do I manage the rest? And you manage the rest by either partnering with people who play at the things you have to work at, or you barter with them, or you hire them, or you defer payment to them uh, if it's if it's around business or money. But you you start to become resourceful, you know, on how you can uh, versus why you can't. Wow, so powerful. 
Yeah, I love that so much. John, thank you so much for your thank time you. today. Honestly, this has been such an incredible and eye-opening interview. And I'm so excited to expose all of my listeners to your work if they haven't you know, met you already. Um, where can everyone find you? And is there anything else other than your new book that you have going on? Any events or anything? Um, I, I always have a few events going on here and there. I think the best thing is for people to um, follow me on Instagram. Um, if they like at John Asraf, I also, uh, am at John Asraf on my Twitter. I have a Facebook fan page for those who are on Facebook. Um, they can find me on my John Asraf website or my company website. Uh, if they want to find out more information about the book, uh, they can go to ignitemybrain.com, ignitemybrain.com. I want to ignite my brain. So I'm going to check it, it <laughs> Thank you. All right. Thanks, Mimi. You're So much. Honestly, I'm so, so, so grateful for you coming on the show. And yeah, let's definitely do another one soon.